there was this like tension moment. And what ended up happening was a week or two later when we did our check-in call with them, they were just blown away because yes, they had fewer calls in the calendar, but the quality of folks on those calls, they were prepared to buy. They were quoting messaging from the nurture sequence saying, when you said so-and-so-and-so, I just knew I had to book a call. Welcome to the Seven Figure Freedom Podcast, where ambitious CEOs turn to transition from being the doer of the business to being the leader of the empire. I am Madeline White Silva. I'll share my real life struggles and breakthroughs as I've scaled my businesses and grown a team that run the day to day without me, so that now I run my seven figure business on three day work weeks. Join our community of visionary entrepreneurs and transformational leaders as we create lasting impact, financial freedom, and an awesome, rewarding life with a powerhouse team by your side. Hello there, visionaries. I'm super excited to be introducing one of our preferred referral partners, Tanika A.Y., right? Did I say that right now? <laughs> A.Y. A.Y. So you there you go. Right anyway, I asked her at the time, but now it's swinglish. It's what you're going to be fl- fluent in when you hang out with me long enough. So that's my <laughs> rules. But Tamika is here because she's brilliant, for one, but she's also a muse, magician, mentor, marketer, and creative. And these are just some of the most common words that precede an introduction to Tamika. And she is the CEO of Arisha Creative, an inventive nurture marketing agency that serves leaders in the online coaching industry. She's also the creator of the Nurture Matrix, a unique evergreen nurture marketing framework that's revolutionizing the way master coaches approach social media and email marketing, generating millions in premium coaching program sales along the way. Tamika resides on territory originally stewarded by the Mississauga of the Credit First Nations, presently known as Ontario, Ontario, see I even butchered that, (laughs) Ontario, Canada. With her husband and children, she can often be found swooning over her Spotify daily mix in a hot bubble bath or trying to perfect an oyster shucking game. Ah, yes. I love the oysters. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Welcome. I'm so excited to finally be diving in and sitting down with you and learning more about the brilliance and how you ended up here. And I just want everybody to know, like, the real reason I invited Tamika in is because I love innovation. Like you might have known if you hang out with me. And I love when somebody's doing something a little bit different and getting even better results than most other people. And this is really why I reached out to Tamika to bring her in and into our fold because we were on a summit together and I just could feel the vibe. What she's doing is different. It's cool. And I just, I just, it's all about really leveraging what you already have in place and not just becoming that content wheel of forever creation. So I love that. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up here, doing the work at this time. And what are some of those pivotal moments in your journey that got you here? Yeah, absolutely. So I've run my own business for 13 years now, 13 years now. And Arisha Creative is the, I would say like the third iteration of my business. Started out doing something that was a lot of fun, but not profitable. Then started here and there and then created an agency from there. 
But I would say a big pivotal moment for me, Madeline, really was, and it was like the catalyst for the Nurture Matrix, is that I spent a lot of time as content manager, content director, content strategist in these very successful high multi-six, seven, multi-seven sometimes figure businesses. And I'm the content manager, the content director, helping them come up with messaging strategy that's going to drive enrollments. And I just felt like so often we were reinventing the wheel and we weren't seeing better results. And it used to frustrate me to no end. We would, and a lot of those clients at that time would be on a traditional launch model, right? The coaching industry launch model. At that time, it was probably like a PLF or one of the traditional frameworks that we know. And there's a ton of content that goes into creating those types of launches, right? You've got the email sequences that might have... 20, 30, 50 emails that need to be created, like just all this content that needed to be created. And that wasn't the problem. It's a lot of content to create, but it wasn't the problem. The real challenge showed up after the launch, when immediately after the launch, we're all burnt out because we've created all this content. And then the next charge is to, okay, create some nurture content because we can't just go from launch and then to radio silence and then back to launch again, right? We can't do that to our people. We want to nurture them. So we'd always be in this place of what's the next thing to create? What's the next thing to create? And meanwhile, my inventive kind of innovative mind, I'm like you, Madeline, do we really need to create more stuff? And also, is there a possibility those folks that came off of launch and that didn't buy, is there a possibility that there's actually an opportunity that if we nurture them correctly, they can be ready to buy for the next launch or better yet, even before that next launch. So that was like a real pivotal moment for me. And I'll just, I'll never forget having that moment where I, we finished the launch. I'm a little burnt out. My CEO that I'm partnered with is a little bit burnt out. And I say quietly, hi, let's talk about angles for the nurture content for the next four weeks. And both of us look at each other and we're like, do we need to? We both recognize the problem at the same time. And so that was the first time that I was like, you know what, let me just, let me think about what we've got already. And let me map out some messages that would support folks coming off the launch who aren't ready to buy yet. And let me just pull some existing content that we have and roll it out, make it really easy for both of us. And we kept doing that kind of over and over again to the point where I realized, ah, there's a way that if we spend the time up front to really understand those core messages that are not so ready to buy yet, figure out what those messages are that they need to receive that can dial up and dial in their internal urgency and have them leaning in. If we have evergreen content and automated evergreen content that can touch, speak to those points, we can be in a place of always having, anticipating the next launch. Or again, if you're on an evergreen cycle, always being ready to step into the program on a month to month basis. So that for me was like a real game changer that being in that moment of there's so much to do and create really, and it often is, that's the way my brain works too. It just was that moment of like light switch flipped on and it's like, how can we do this differently and see better results? Yeah, I love this so much on so many levels. I, I Back in the day, I used to do multi-seven-figure practice management coaching for healthcare, alternative healthcare practices. And one of the things that I'm always noticing, you know, in, in those practices, everybody was always so hungry for the new lead, the new lead, new patient. And meanwhile, they have a database of usually 10,000s of people sitting in their patient documentation software that nobody ever paid any attention to. And so that kind of sense of it's just gold for the most of us sitting in our email list, just waiting for us to mine. 
And that oftentimes we just walk right by in chase of the next lead that we then have to nurture just the same. Because I think the stat says it's like one to 3% of people are ready to buy now. Yep. So when we actually out in the world doing marketing, we're leaving 97 to 99% of those people behind if we don't have some way of building that known trust factor along the way. So Absolutely. I love this. Absolutely. I call it the leaky bucket syndrome, right? Turn your funnel into a leaky bucket because you're always chasing more traffic, more leads. Meanwhile, you've got that bucket of, again, 97 to 98% of those leads who weren't ready to buy. If you're not giving them what they need to become ready to buy, they're going to leak out in some way, shape, or form. And the leak out might look like them opting out very soon after they've stepped into your list, or the leak might look like not opening emails anymore. And we see the open rates decline. Or the leak might very well be they just sit on there and they sleep. And instead of stepping in and getting the transformation that they were interested and curious about, they're just hanging back because they don't feel be, they don't feel like they're being seen. You're constantly chasing the folks who are ready to buy in favor of supporting those who are interested in building that demand, building that desire, and eventually having that convert. And I get how, especially in the coaching space, like what you spoke to in the healthcare space, I can absolutely see that happening. We've had some clients who are in that space and things just operate a little bit differently. But in the coaching space, what I think is so interesting is a lot of times in coaching businesses, there's this belief that they are nurturing because they're sending out a couple newsletters a week or there is an effort made to nurture. And so there can be this false sense of, but I am nurturing and those nurtured leads don't do anything. And that's why I'm on the chase for new. But the reality is if you get into it and you start to dig into the data and you start to dig into the consumer psychology a little bit in the buying journey, you realize that what you're doing is sharing more information, often sharing like tips and tricks and how to and what I call popcorn content instead of giving them what they really need to lean in and take action. So yes, you're nurturing, but you're doing a very surface level job of it. And there's a deeper way to nurture that comes about when we start to really think about the buying journey and again, the psychology of buying and bring some of those principles as kind of, they're exciting to me, like marketing nerds and business <laughs> nerds. <laughs> We're like, this is so exciting. Like for, for most CEOs, it's, uh, yeah, they're not, they're just not, they're not taught to look there and nor is it their area of expertise. Mm -hmm. So just understanding that nurture at the surface stays at the surface. And of course, you're not going to see the same results if you're not going deeper and again, having that intentional messaging strategy behind your nurture efforts. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And I just, and so I'm generally curious because this is the stuff that we put in the closet and close the door and never want to look at again, especially in the coaching industry is like the open rate of emails this day. So what do you have to say about that? And how do you see that change when people start implementing what you're up to? I'm imagining it must go up because yeah. you are actually connecting with people in a deeper way and leading them somewhere. Yeah, email rates are challenging. We've got all the, the Apple, recent changes to Apple and that sort of thing that have our open rates a little bit skewed. So it can be challenging to figure out like, is my email really performing or is it not? And what I can say is that when we get really, again, intentional about the messaging that a new aspect receives, and we do that job of making sure that the messaging that we're sharing, again, speaks to those conversations that they're having with themselves as they move along the buyer's journey, absolutely, we see an increase in open rate. And beyond that, what we see in this, obviously, it looks different for different businesses based on what their enrollment strategy is. 
But I can say for sure, those that operate on the sales call, what they see on the other side is not just open rates, but also more qualified prospects stepping onto the phone. So that becomes more efficient in the sales function because again, you're speaking, you're preaching to the choir. The common report is, I'll never forget this too, for a client of ours and they have, they offer a certification, a coaching certification for holistic practitioners and they enroll through sales calls. They've got a sales team, small sales team that helps with enrollment. And I'll never forget early on, we had had their matrix rolling out and the clients are all being nurtured and everything else. And there was a panic moment amongst the sales team. And they were a little stressed because they said they had stopped, well, not stopped, but reduced their ad spend. And so they were a little panicked because there were less sales calls on the calendar. And there was this like tension moment. And what ended up happening was a week or two later when we did our check-in call with them, they were just blown away because yes, they had fewer calls on the calendar, but the quality of mm-hmm. folks on those calls they were prepared to buy. They were quoting messaging from the nurture sequence saying, when you said so-and-so-and-so, I just knew I had to book a call. So right now you can get my super simple team assessment process that helps me evaluate my current team, identify if I need to hire somebody else, what kind of training my team members need, who is worth investing in and who needs to be more challenged to grow with a company. And really turning those less than motivated team members into productive, valuating, value-adding team players. It's an on-demand five-part video series that will walk you through the whole process. It's totally free. And you can find it at hello7figurefreedom.com team-assessment-video-series. We'll make sure to add the link in the show notes and let me know. Of course, trading a higher ad spend in favor of less time spent in sales calls and higher conversion on sales calls for them, win, win, win. But it's just so interesting what's possible, again, when you start to tighten up these various aspects of our marketing ecosystem and how they have an impact on sales on the other side. Yeah, because here's another interesting statistic that I heard was that it costs 10 times more to get a new lead than actually sell to leads already in your bucket. Huge difference. So I love that. And so how is your methodology different than other people that create nurture sequences or maybe copywriters or maybe people that repurpose content? Yeah. How do you work differently with people? Yeah, it's so interesting because a colleague this morning was sharing a repurposing agency and was like, oh, is this like what you do? And I actually had the opportunity to say, not at all, really. So <laughs> re- so content repurposers or a copywriter or content creator that you might hire, it's possible that they might understand the strategic nuance that we bring to the table, but it's not likely because quite often what content creators and repurpose agencies or repurpose content creators who repurpose content, they're really looking, their primary outcome is to figure out how to get your message in more places right? They're really about the content sprawl, I call it, right? Like, how can I have this one message show up in all the places, which depending on your business and your business model and your audience, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay. What's more likely though, is that your ideal clients are, um, they're really speaking to you on a narrow number of platforms, right? They are in just a couple of places. And rather than going with content sprawl, you need to go deep. Instead, you need to take the content plunge, right? So rather than trying to get them to see a million different pieces of content 
all over multiple channels. You want them to see content in the places where they're showing up, but you want to make sure that content is going to perform as best as possible. So it's about less is more in this case, rather than more is more. So what's different about what we do is in order to help our clients get really deep with their content and create that content that's really going to, again, dial up internal urgency to to buy and to actually have content that creates more higher and more consistent enrollments is that we want to think less about how do we take what we've got and make more out of it and instead mine the data and figure out like what are those messages that our ideal clients really need to receive and how can we use those to take them along a journey? Usually email is the place that we love to play first and foremost, but how do we use email marketing, really intelligent messaging strategy that's tuned into or attuned to the buyer's journey and have that roll out and do the job of nurture in that one maybe two channels, right? What we do on email, we can often replicate in in social, depending in a couple of ways. But email is a place, is a playground where for us, there's real huge opportunity because again, most folks are just doing the basics of what we know to do on email. Be consistent, send a newsletter a couple times a week, quote unquote, make it valuable unless it's unless we're having a sales call to action. But we do what we know how to do over there for most for the most part. But what we do differently is come in and say, okay, these are the specific messages that need to go out to your people because we've looked at who your people are, what they need to receive. And we can tell you that to move them along the buyer's journey, it's this message. Now we can look at the content you've already created and come up with some real creative ways to bring those messages forward in a sequence that's really going to support. The short answer is we're just looking at a deeper layer of strategy than most content creators are. are there. It's not that they don't want to do it. It's just not their primary objective. Our primary objective is how to have your content perform in a way that creates conversion. Theirs is often how do you get seen? How do you get visible? And visibility is different than conversion, right? Only, yeah. And I feel like the work that you're doing is like, the hidden stuff. These are the mm-hmm. blind spots, I think, for yeah. most CEOs and I think also for most content creators. Yeah. So, and I, and so I'm curious, like, what are the symptoms that visionary CEOs might have that tells them that right now is the perfect time to hire you and bring you on board to really help them? Because since it is this blind spot for many of the visionary CEOs, and like you were talking to, which I think was brilliant, is just that we're already nurturing. We're sending out our thing, like you call it popcorn content yeah. and little newsletters twice a week. And we are on social media and we might be on TikTok and YouTube and all the places. And like, how do I know that I need you? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a total blind spot, which from a business perspective, we're often spending a ton of time educating because it's not an obvious problem that many people know that they have. One of the obvious problems that we sometimes becomes like a gateway to let's go a little bit deeper the obvious problem is you're in this place of just feeling like there is a content creation treadmill. You're turning out all this content and you're not seeing incremental results. And it's at this point, doing more is not doing more. So what am I missing here? That's a place where we're often called in to shine a light on the blind. So that can be one space. The other place I would say too, we're really great with folks who are already seeing solid results through their email marketing and they just can't figure out how to get better. So the question that always lights me up. And the question that often the CEO is having that can be an activator for us connecting is they're like, my enrollments, my monthly enrollments are this number. And I just, no matter what I seem to do that I'm already doing, 
I keep getting that number and I can't figure out how to get to the next number. So we're not always the solution, right? Because again, it's going to depend on business model and goals and all these things. But often we are a really great solution when you're in that place of, I've been doing what I know how to do on email marketing and I see decent results, but I can't figure out how to get to the next level. And I'm not interested in just simply trying to do a bunch more, right? So really efficient, folks who are efficiency-minded, if you're at that level in your business where efficiency is queen there, efficiency needs is what you want to lead the charge with. And again, you're in that place of like, how do I get that better result without actually doing more, without having my team create more content? And that's another really great place where we might be the right solution. Yeah, really cool. And if you could do this whole entrepreneurial journey over again, anything mm-hmm. you would do differently, would anything that you wish that you would have known ahead of time mm. that would have really helped you like speed up that yeah. next level of vision? That's a really great question. Um, I think all of the time that I spent consulting and freelancing was absolutely valuable and vital because it led me to the offerings that we have today. So I think probably the only thing I would change is that when I first stepped in as a business owner, I really wanted to create something for myself that was super different than what I had done corporate. I was corporate marketer, strategy, communications, buyer personas, and all that stuff is what I did. And so when I started my first business, I was like, I want to do, I want to do something different and fun and get me out there. And so I focused on an industry that I was personally very interested in, but didn't do the work that probably made sense to make sure that there were real buyers or budgets in that industry. My very first business, Madeline, was event marketing for startup fashion brands. Wow. So it was very glitzy, very glamorous, lots of fashion shows, lots of exciting things. I had a blast. And they don't have budgets. They're waiting for Beyonce to wear their merchandise rather than pay a marketer. So that was so passion is great. And there is a real power to digging into your strengths. And so I appreciate what I appreciate about the time that I spent as a consultant is just that opportunity to really get clear on what I'm great at and apply that to this business. But at the same time, I'm a big believer that contrast is a big teacher too, right? Having that experience where that first business took me out of my comfort zone and had me doing all these fun things. I think that you don't think I... I think that was a part of the journey too. And we learned. I call it failing right? forward. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about failing forward. I think the reason that it's been so much fun asking these questions in here because what's been coming up is all a lot of us built our most brilliant ideas, our most brilliant businesses. Like really, we're born from these places of heartache and struggle and misery. Like you said, the contrast, right? It mm-hmm. helps us to actually birth something else and wanting something else. And I think that's so beautiful. And so it's been really fun just digging in and hearing the background of people's stories and what people come from and what motivates us and inspires us to do that next yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. And you're so right. Failing forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> so where can people find you and learn more about what are you up to? Yeah, yeah. So we hang out on Instagram. We do a lot of our content facing on that side for folks that are a fit for our lower ticket offer. But that's a place to connect, if you will. I'm on Facebook personally as well. You can find me, Tamika Awai. But if you're curious about the Nurture Matrix, a really great place to go is probably nurturematrix.com forward slash case study. We talk a little bit about what it looks like in practice, the Nurture Matrix in practice with a few different clients. That can be a really great place if you're wanting to just understand the inner workings of of what the strategy, what the approach is about. Very cool. Awesome. And just for fun, what is something fun in you in your life right now? 
Ooh, fun and new. Let's see. What's fun and new right now is I'm just enjoying creating sort of downtime for myself, like reading fiction books and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that, making space for to not be so business focused all the time. So my husband got me a hammock. At the end of last season, there was like a really great sale, got this hammock. And so all kind of summer and into the fall, I've just been taking hammock time and reading like novels and just enjoying it. I love that. Yeah, I'm like the anti-hustler CEO. Yeah, yeah. Hustling is no fun. And and I think us visionaries really need spaciousness to tap into our vision and our creativity and our brilliance. So love that. Yeah. And I love the idea of a hammock. Yeah. Like, you do in our backyard. Maybe I need you know? to a hammock. It's so good. And like just the other day, because it's starting to get colder in Ontario and he's, oh, should I put the hammock away now? And I was like, no. I was like, a hammock with a blanket is like it's top, better. it's like top tier because you get all cozy in there. So I'm enjoying it. And really reading, reading fiction books too reminds me, it has me inspired. I'm like, do you want to like practice or play with writing a novel or something like that. I don't know. I used to write a lot as a kid. So I think it's, yeah, that what's new and interesting in my life is really going back to some of those things that I love doing way back when and bringing them more into my everyday. Now I'm loving that. I love that. Awesome. It was so nice to sit down with you and get into hear more of your story. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you for stepping in here. Thank you, Madeline. This was great. I love to chat about nerd out about marketing, but most importantly, yeah, to connect with you. Thanks for tuning in to the Seven Figure Freedom Podcast. I hope this episode sparked a shift in perspective to help you amplify your impact, income, and freedom. Schedule a call with me today. You'll find the scheduling link in the show notes to take the first step towards gaining clarity on how to bring your vision to life with more ease. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you next week for more insights, inspiration, and innovation. Check the show notes for additional resources. 